Good morning. Happy New Year. Now, I would like to invite all of the children here to come up to the front. We're going to have a children's sermon. I got told that the children would not be out of the service today, and so I thought we'd just incorporate them in the service a little bit with a sermon. Okay, so if, if you're a young one, come ahead. And parents, you're welcome to bring young ones with you if you need to. Come on now. We're not just talking about preschoolers. We're talking about anybody that's a young one. And I'm 70, so most of you qualify. Come on up here. Have a seat on the... Now, it'd be embarrassing if the teenagers have to have a dad bring them. You're doing great work. That's awesome. Come on ahead. Come right ahead. You're doing great work. You can sit up here. You can sit over there. Just take your pick. Hi. Hey, ladies. Thank you for coming up. I'm Larry. What's your name? Jaden. Jaden, it's nice to meet you. And you? What's your name? Mine is Zavui. Zavui? That's a beautiful name. I like that. Would you like to sit up here on the stage? All right. Hi, these are yours, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Thank you for coming up here. This would have been a total failure if you hadn't come up here. <laughs> yes, that's right. Okay. My name is, well, I'm going to tell you what all the kids in my old church used to call me, okay? They called me P.L. That was for Pastor Larry. And it's okay with me if you want to call me P.L., okay? That's my preferred name. So... I have a question for you. Have you ever been afraid? Ever been afraid? Ever? If anybody's ever been afraid, with me, raise your hand, because I have been afraid. Yeah? 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 Okay. First thing to tell you is, it's never wrong to be afraid. It's never wrong to be afraid. Sometimes, yeah, you can put it back down now. Um, sometimes... It's important to be afraid. Like if you're thinking about jumping off the roof, you should be afraid. Yeah, because you're going to get hurt. But a lot of times we're afraid of things because they scare us, right? Yeah. I have a, a young friend who started kindergarten this year. Anybody here in kindergarten? One, two, three? Okay. Yeah, and you know, when he started kindergarten... He had never been away from his mom for that many hours in a day. She was a stay-at-home mom, and he was scared. He was so scared that he began to chew his fingernails when he started kindergarten. Never chewed them before in his life, but he began to chew them when he started kindergarten. And he feels really bad about it because now he's no longer scared of kindergarten, but he's stuck chewing his fingernails. And he chews them so much that sometimes they bleed. And they hurt, and he's really feeling bad about it. And his mom and dad were telling me about this, and they said, but you feel bad about it. He was really feeling bad. His daddy put his arm around him and said, that's okay. We all do things we shouldn't to try to make ourselves feel better. I thought that was one of the best things I'd ever heard somebody say. We all do things we shouldn't to try to make ourselves feel better. Now, chewing fingernails is just one of them, right? It could be telling lies, 
Sometimes we tell lies about ourselves to try to make ourselves feel better, right? Sometimes we pick on somebody else to try to make ourselves feel better. Sometimes, well, the list could go on and on, couldn't it? But the point is this. Whenever you're afraid, I have a really good idea. Now, some of the things you might do to make yourself feel better might not work like chewing fingernails. That doesn't work. That really doesn't make you feel better. Bye. (laughs) You're very sweet. That's Isabella, isn't it? Yeah. Very sweet, Isabella. Okay, here's the deal. But there's one thing you can do to make yourself feel better every time. And you won't ever have to be sorry you did it. You know what it is? The Bible puts it this way. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. And that's what you can do. You can always remember God when you're afraid. Whether you have grown-up fear or young one fear, you can always remember God. And when you remember Him, you can always remember He's a safe place. God is our safe place. He's a place where we can be protected, and He's a place where we can be given strength to be able to do whatever it is we need to do. He is our refuge. That means He's a safe place, and He's our strength. That means He enables us to do what we need to do. So, the next time you find yourself being afraid, and in the new year, 2020, you might have some anxiety or fear. Remember God, okay? So what should you do to make yourself feel better when you're afraid? Remember God. Remember God. Remember God. He is your safe place. Let's say a prayer. Thank you, Father, for these boys and girls, for their parents, their grandparents, and most of all, for your great love for them. Help them remember you whenever they feel bad, whenever they're frightened, whenever they feel alone. Help them remember that you are their safe place and they can turn to you and that you will protect them and you will strengthen them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Give yourselves a big hand. You did a great job. You can go back. Okay, now, the bad news is that was the whole sermon. And I'm not kidding. Just a little bit kidding. I know that this is holiday season. And I know that you have all kinds of things you've been doing. And a two-hour sermon is not one of them. So I'm not going to do one of those either. I am going to share some bright thoughts with you for the coming year. Some bright thoughts for the coming year. You can find them in Psalm 119. We're going to preach from verse 1 through the end. There are 168 verses. Uh, No, I won't do that. Psalm 119, beginning in verse 25. Verse 25. How many of you have seen the commercial? This is one of my favorite commercials of all time. It's currently playing on your television set somewhere right now. It starts out with this man lying in a hospital bed, and his wife's there holding his hand, and his children are seated on the couch beside them. And he's anticipating, what do they call those things? Not an operation, not a surgery, a procedure. He's going to have a procedure. And the nurse is there taking his vitals, 
And his wife says, have you ever worked with Dr. Killingsworth before? And she says, oh, yeah, he's okay. And the wife looks up kind of askance and says, just okay? And about that time, you hear this booming voice as this guy comes blundering into the room. Guess who just got reinstated? <laughs> Not really. Um, you nervous? And the man says, yeah. He says, me too. I don't worry about it. We'll figure it out. See you down there. That's when okay is not good enough, right? Well, when we say Happy New Year, it may have the best intentions in the world. But it doesn't really help the situation, does it? Happy New Year is not good enough. Best wishes is not good enough. These bright thoughts are for the new year. These bright thoughts for the new year are good enough. Look with me in Psalm 119, beginning in verse 25. And I'll just point out to you that we've had the first bright thought already this morning in this. God is our safe place. God is our safe place. Psalm 119, verse 25. And just for a minute, I'm going to act like a teacher and, and tell you a little bit about this psalm. Psalm 119 is one of the most amazing pieces of literature I've ever seen. It is written in octaves, that is, eight verses per refrain. And each octave, the first word in each line of each octave begins with the letter, with the Hebrew letter of the alphabet in order. For instance, the first eight begin with what would be our A. The second eight begin with what would be our B, C. And now we're to the fourth, which is D. Interestingly enough, this, this passage deals with things like depression, determination, devotion, and deliverance. Starts with a D. All these verses begin with the, with the Hebrew letter for D. And it's that way with every verse in this entire 119 Psalms. Isn't that amazing? Wow. So let's begin reading. My soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. When I told of my ways, you answered me. Teach me your statutes. Make me understand the way of your precepts, and I will meditate on your wondrous works. My soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Put false ways far from me, and graciously teach me your law. I have chosen the way of faithfulness. I set your rules before me. I cling to your testimonies. Let me not be put to shame. I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. Let's pray for just a second. Father, thank you for your word. It is always alive and powerful. It is always effective. It never falls to the ground without having its effect. It never fails to stir and give life. Help us receive it today. In Christ's name, amen. Okay, the psalmist begins by saying, my soul clings to the dust. This is thought one. Happy thought, well, actually happy thought two, because first bright thought is God is our safe place. That's right. I knew you'd remember 
God is our safe place. Second one is God is with the lowly. God is with the lowly. Who knows what 2020 is going to bring our way? Some of us may be exalted. Many of us may find ourselves less than exalted. Some of us are going to be dealing with depression and worry and consternation and disappointment. And the list goes on and on. And the psalmist describes this lowly condition by saying, my soul clings to the dust. Now, I'm from the part of America that has hillbillies, real hillbillies. In fact, I can talk like one. You didn't know I could do that, did you? That's the second time I've seen you giggling today. First time was when we were singing Old Lang Syne. Only it wasn't supposed to be Old Lang Syne. Thank you. I love the reality. Uh, and that was a great song. Thank you. I'd never heard it before. Awesome. Okay, here's the deal. In the hills where I come from, we would describe this guy whose soul clings to the dust like this. He's lower than a snake's belly going under a two-by-four on flat ground. He's at the bottom. He's in the pits. And the word clings really means stuck. My soul is stuck in the dust. My soul is stuck in this mess, and I can't get out. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt like your essence, your soul, that's your mind, your will, and your emotions. That's the real you inside the physical you that we all see. And he was stuck there. This is a posture description. My soul clings to the dust. It's a posture description that defines a spiritual condition of being lowly, of being down, of being humiliated. The good news is God is with us when we're lowly. In fact, God has a particular disposition of favor towards lowliness among people. We just celebrated the Savior's birth. It can't escape you. It must never escape us that he did not come to a golden palace. He came to a stable. He who left all of heaven's splendor and glory behind came and lived in the very basest, meanest, lowest ways of life. He never owned a home. So far as we can tell, he didn't even have a donkey. He had to borrow one. In fact, he was so lowly, he had to borrow a grave. He returned it hardly used. But he had to borrow one. And sometimes I think in this world we live today, particularly in our American culture, we don't see that we're following a Savior like that. We have to think of him as being a Savior who values the same things our culture does. But he values lowliness. He speaks in Matthew chapter 11 and he says, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I am gentle and lowly. Gentle and lowly. 
He's approachable when we're down. Remember that. God is with you when you're lowly. It's a bright thought for this new year. A second bright thought. When I told you my ways, you answered me. Teach me your statutes. God values and honors our confession. He said, I told, told you my ways and you didn't slap me down. You didn't punish me. You didn't condemn me. You heard me. It's hard to confess sin. It isn't easy. Our pride hates it. We fudge on it all we can. Well, I made a mistake. I could have done that better and on and on. Instead of coming to that place that really relieves us of the burden and the weight of our sin, which says, God, I did the wrong thing. I sinned. And mostly I did it because I didn't care what you would think. I did it because I valued other things more than I did you. And he hears that. God values and receives your confession. He does not carry it in low esteem. He does not take advantage of it to bring harm or injury to you. He takes advantage of it to raise you up out of the dust. Peter writes and says, Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. There's no place in the Bible that says exalt yourself so that God can be pleased. But all kinds of places in the Bible that say God's with the lowly. He honors and blesses those who will be lowly before him, and he will lift them up in his time. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us. Cleanse us of all unrighteousness. That's a brilliant thought for the new year. Keep it front and center. There's nothing that brings relief and resolution to stress and strife like confession of sin. Nothing. Husbands and wives, you've probably already discovered this. When you personally own your sin in the matter, the battle's over, isn't it? It just ends. I love that story about the husband who found a way to always have the last word with his wife. He said, you're right. That ended it. You're right. That'll work for you ladies too. I'm just saying. And there's this, there's this wonderful effect that being forgiven has on a, a person who's been lowly and been down and been guilty. It creates a hunger for more of God. Teach me your statutes is the next thing. Confession and forgiveness prompt us to draw nearer to God and to know Him better. But there's a third bright shining thought here. Make me understand the way of your precepts and I will meditate on your wondrous works. My soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. This is the second time he's asked for something according to the word of God. The first time he said, revive me or give me life according to your word. Here he says, strengthen me according to your word. And here's the bright thought. God's word can do marvelous things in your life. 
God's word can do marvelous things in your life. The Hebrews writer wrote in the fourth chapter in the 12th verse, and he said, the word of God is alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing to the asunder to the joints and marrow and the soul and spirit, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. God's word is powerful for you, for me, for us. When we read it, when we listen to it, when we receive it, it makes a difference in us every time. The Old Testament prophet said that the word of God never comes in vain. It never falls on us and has no effect. It's like rain falling out of the sky. It always makes mud. Always. And God's word always penetrates us and changes us. Sometimes a lot, sometimes a little. But that's the bright thought is you can take recourse to his word. You can take recourse to his word. He says, according to your word, which means according to its promise, as it is promised. God's word promises life. Jesus said to the disciples, I am come that they might have life and have it abundantly. Many people think of Christianity as the best way in the world to die. They really do. They think, man, now I'm not talking about being persecuted and being slain for your faith. I'm talking about dying and missing out on life. If you've ever shared Jesus with some people, you've had somebody say to you, I, I want to do that someday, but i got a lot of living I want to do before that. Right? That's all wrong. I mean, that's true that people say that, but that is not right. The truth is, real living happens after Christ comes into our lives. That's when real life happens. I tried it the other way. And I came to understand that that was really dying. Just death. Jesus brings life and brings it abundantly to us. His word promises that. That's what it does. It's according to his word that he gives us life. It's according to his word in that it's like the life his word describes. I hope you've already discovered this. When God says it, that's right. When God says it, that's right. When God does it, that's right. When God gives it, that's best. Every time. Every time. It's not according to what the world says is best. It's not according to what some glitzy, shiny preacher says is best. It's according to what the Word says. And that life is the bright life. According to thy Word. Here's another bright thought. My soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Put false ways far from me and graciously teach me your law. And I'm going to bundle that up with the last verse, which says in verse 32, the last verse of the octave, I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. God will do this in you and for you. We don't have to make new resolutions and be better. And promise to never do it again. What we have to do is realize we can't do those things. But God will hear our confession. And will carry the burden. And will enable us by his word to live for his glory. To live in his power. To live forever. That's a bright thought for a new year. 
And one final and last bright thought. I have chosen the way of faithfulness. I set your rules before me. I cling to your testimonies, O Lord. Let me not be put to shame. We must bring our devotion to the Lord's service, to the Lord's life, to walking with Him. This isn't a matter where we sit back and say, okay, God, I'm going to have another cigar and wait for you to do this. This is a matter of all in. You and I are all in knowing that God will provide the thunder and power. We bring ourselves to Him and we're all in. That's the bright thought. You have to bring devotion and determination. Devotion and determination. He supplies what we lack, which is everything. But he calls on us to want everything by giving ourselves completely. So that's it. Bright thoughts for a cloudy day and a new year.